Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. TCK Potters, this is your host, Sky Guasco. I am joined by my man, Dweez Nuts. We're holding it down with another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 531, wrapping up the overall 17 weeks of fantasy football. And for those of you in week 18, wishing you the best in your championships and locking it down and highly recommending that next year you shut it down in week <laughs> 17 because the week 18 is now the, you know, back in the day, week 17. You want to be careful with that because I think a lot of studs and people will be avoiding injuries. You know, we still have COVID as an issue. You have studs sitting out. A lot of the Packers might be out, for example. That's a lot of fantasy gold there, obviously, with them wrapped up. So be careful in week 18, but best of luck for you there. My man Dweez is with me. We're going to be breaking down kind of a recap of the season so far. We're going to have 10 things that we learned from fantasy football this year and then 10 players we're excited about going into 2020, either from a dynasty perspective or a redraft or maybe it's a rookie that didn't really get the full grip this year and hopefully they can come back or it's a guy that we saw glimpses of. Maybe they suffered an injury and we didn't get the full meat and potatoes so we'll get into that. Please, first and foremost, man, how you doing? How was the holidays, my man? Happy New Year. Belated uh, holidays to you. Christmas and Hanukkah to the family. And uh, let me know how your leagues ended up, man. I, I know that you're in a lot of leagues. I am as well. How did everything wrap up for you? And how's the last couple of weeks been for you? Yeah, it's been a bit since I've been on the show. Always happy to be back. Love to sit next to you virtually anyway. Doing, You know what? One day maybe... We'll actually sit next to I each other it. on a mic. That would be a lot of fun. But uh, holidays were great. You know, we're moving into the new year, trying to hit the ground running here in 2022. Personally and professionally, it's always a nice time to sort of reset, um, recharge, and uh, and get after it. So here we go. Yeah, uh, you know, nine leagues this past season. Uh, all t- told, I made five finals out of those nine leagues, which was pretty good, uh, considering the issues with COVID and the issues with injuries. I I feel like I was pretty fortunate not to lose too many of my starters, maybe one or two here or there. So I managed to get to five finals, three championships, pretty happy with that number. Um, It looked like two championships. Uh, Fryermuth needed eight points to beat me in one league. And I just went to sleep, didn't watch the game at all. woke up and found that he scored seven. So um, top of the moon about that one. I'm happy for it. There are a couple leagues where I wish I'd have done better, right? We're not going to talk about the TCK Listener League. That was an absolute <laughs> travesty. But yeah. uh, came in second, just eked out in the Commission uh, Boys Dynasty League. I played with them. So that was a little, you know, it's always bad when you come in second. But some of my studs, Tyreek, kind of let me down. Jalen Hurts kind of let me down. So uh, primed and ready for this next season coming up already. Um, maybe come back in those leagues where I finished second. But I'll take the three championships, you know, a few thousand dollars or so in my pocket, walking away happy. Um, some of my bigger money leagues paid out. So so good things there. But, uh, yeah, five, three out of five, five out of nine. How about you? How'd you do? Uh, awesome, man. Well, congratulations on the championships that you did get. And, yes, coming up short is rough. But, honestly, I'm kind of in the mindset of, like, getting all the way to the championship uh if for me obviously winning it is everything but getting all the way there i always have this like i've done what i came to do because yeah. in fantasy football and regular football one game is one game right like like tyree kill doesn't show up 
Uh, Justin Jefferson doesn't show up. Dalvin Cook doesn't show up. These things happen, and you have a dud game one week, and you get smoked by a team you should have smoked by 50 points, and that's just is what happens. So it's a little bit tough there. I actually coincidentally had the exact same mark that you did, man. I'm in nine leagues as well. Uh, of course, some of those are dynasty leagues that just kind of yeah. continue to carry over, but nine leagues total. I made five finals myself, and I won three championships also. We have a guillotine league here that Beautiful. I started with the TCK league. That was super fun. Uh, if anyone's not familiar with the guillotine league, um, I'll go into it a little bit differently because it's one thing I learned this year. I'll go into depth a little bit, but guillotine was a lot of fun. I ended up winning that league. Super excited about that. That was really intense. Um, we had a uh, kind of a Instagram you know, fellow analysts on our level, independent analysts put together a league and uh, I ended up bringing that down. So I was happy about that. A lot of people in the peer groups there. And then I always do one random league in sleeper and this year in Yahoo, just to like do another draft and play against computer basically. And, and just see how it goes. Yeah. And I end up winning that league. So (laughs) there's nothing for that one, but it's another championship. (laughs) So I enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, the TCK listener league didn't work out. I had a great team all season long. I was in first place most of the season, but I got beat out in one week. Uh, my um, my home league, my biggest league, I uh, went to the championship and um, got smoked because half my guys just didn't work out. AB didn't quite help anybody out there. Um, <laughs> that was a t- that was a tough one. Uh, but there's a few other ones too. And unfortunately, I came up short. But I was in first place and second place most of that year. Also, I won it last year. Came in second this year. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But overall, man, felt really good about it. Two of the uh, championships that I lost were to two good buddies of mine, which I'm not really like the talk shit kind of guy. I'm not really the, you know, hold grudges dude in fantasy. Like I was stoked for them to win as much as I was for me to be there. So it was it was good vibes. But um, yeah, man, nine leagues, five uh, finals and three championships for both of us. Uh, pretty good run, man. I mean, that's a third of your league to, uh, to, to win all the way down and basically be in half of them in the championship. So congratulations again there. Uh, happy Same. for you. And um, I'm excited to, to kind of turn the page a little bit. Bob and I will be back later in the week and we will be running down kind of our starts and sits for anybody left in week 18 and streamers of the week, like per usual, but we're also going to do kind of a DFS lineup really quick for anybody like Dewey's and I who are done and you're looking for something to do next week. Let's get a DFS lineup. So Bob and I will be doing that later this week. Make sure you tune back to us. Before Dweez and I get any further, I do want to give a shout out to our main sponsor here, and I want to give a big up to our friends at Bet Online, and we'll be right back with ten things that we learned from 2021. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NFL season and the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all football and basketball action this season. Make sure to head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From football to basketball to NHL to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 seasons. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Dweezy, let's get into it, man. We got 10 things. We're going to do five each. Make it nice and easy here. We got 10 things that we learned in 2021. 
for fantasy football. Now, these could be, you know, strategy. This could be draft strategy. This could be certain players popped off the map or you were really high on and maybe they faded. This could be coaching changes. However, you would like to interpret five things that you learned from this. So I'll let you kick it off, man. And why don't you let us know what the first thing was that you learned in 2021 that you'll be taking into next season? Yeah, very cool. Um, There seems to be something happening in the NFL. I don't know if it's GMs are catching on to this idea or what, or or it's just, maybe it's just fluky and it doesn't matter. But the thing that I want to point to is um, just the success we saw in the league this season for regular and fantasy football with young quarterbacks and their old school buddies, their old pass catchers from college. Here's a, here's just a real quick rundown of a few of these guys, right? Um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have to be the poster children for this. They only set records for, you know, rookie receiving yards, rookie receiving yards in a game. Bengals single season receiving yards, second most rookie touchdowns of all time, just to Randy Moss. Obviously, these two um, came in with the chemistry and immediately started clicking. The insane talent helps there as well. But uh, um, it's good to see these two top five on the season, right, in in uh, in scoring for, for Jamar Chase with his quarterback. Uh, another pair that we saw really click very quickly on the field was was Tua and Jalen Waddle, you know, down in Miami. That's not necessarily the offense that Cincinnati put up this year, but Waddle was wide receiver 14 in PPR, wide receiver 7 in targets, uh, receptions rather, 10 in targets this season. Missed a game, let's remember that when we're looking at those numbers. Obviously, there was, again, a connection with those two right out of the gates. They didn't have to build chemistry. They had done that previously. Another pairing that's uh, maybe not at the top of everyone's mind, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith uh, coming down. And this team, look, first of all, Philadelphia threw the ball less than any other team in the league this year, like 220 times next to 232 times for the next worst team, like significantly less than anybody else in the league. But Devonta Smith had 100 targets, 37th in the league in that category on a team that didn't throw the ball at all. Scored as many touchdowns as Jalen Waddell. He was wide receiver 19 in the league in target share as a rookie. Again, there's a connection between these two because they played together before. They don't have to build a chemistry. Shit, even Kyler Murray and Antoine Wesley, when Wesley is on the field, there's something there, right? He looks to him. He's comfortable throwing the ball to him. I heard on the fantasy footballers just the other day that those two guys were roommates in college. So like there is a connection there. And and if GMs are figuring this out, if a, a young quarterback can have somebody on their team, a pass catcher on their team that they already feel comfortable throwing the ball to, that's not a bad thing. Right? So if we take this lesson, if it's a lesson and we just project forward, there's some things to look for, right? First of all, we know Travis Etienne is coming back. Um, T-Law and Travis Etienne on the same team. Obviously, they were in college as well. Maybe there's a connection here right out of the gates for a quarterback that, let's let's be honest, had a really hard time last year and will be looking for something comfortable um, next year. Watch the draft this year. Maybe something crazy like Alave from Ohio State goes to Chicago, gets to play with Justin Fields. I'm not sure he's going to fall that far. More likely, maybe somebody like John Mechie. Um, goes to New England and plays with Mac Jones. They had a nice um, connection in college. Or even somebody like Justin Ross being drafted to the Jaguars in the late rounds um, for uh, Trevor Lawrence to give him somebody that he's comfortable throwing the ball to. There's options. We're going to watch the draft, watch the offseason, see if any of these things pop up. Any young quarterbacks get receivers that they've played with before. Maybe it's even that they've played with before um, on a different team. 
Uh, you know, we saw this. We saw this in Detroit, where uh, gosh, who Josh Reynolds came over, mm-hmm. um, and pretty with instantly Jared Goff. Jared Goff felt pretty comfortable throwing to Josh Reynolds, whereas he hadn't really clicked with anybody else there. So, look for quarterbacks who get receivers um, that they're comfortable with, uh, and uh, that might be at least an early season um, target bump for somebody that uh, that you can take advantage of some some value. Yep, and not. Uh, not new and not uh, young at all, but another pairing that kind of came back after a few years was Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb for a few weeks. And everybody assumed Randall Cobb's have been washed for five years. He gets back in the slot with, with Rodgers and Rodgers made him fantasy relevant until he got hurt again. So chemistry, man, exactly. Since Bob's come onto this podcast a couple years ago, he has preached continuity more than anything else. And I know that you're big into that. I am too coaching uh, continuity with each other, with players, players to players, it means everything in the NFL. Life in general is all about building and maintaining relationships. And when you're in a business like the NFL or a sport, it is very important as well. So well done there. Young quarterbacks and their old school pals. We'll see if we get any more pairings in 2022. I really like those uh, those setups there, man. Uh, Mechie to the Patriots. Ross to the Jaguars. Olave, I think, is a stretch to the Bears. But, yeah. Uh, ETN coming back to the Jaguars, too, I think is a is a fun get there. All right, the first thing I learned, man, and number two on our list here, don't be afraid to sit your studs. That's right, folks. I know that the like number one marquee saying in fantasy football starting the first week of the playoffs from all of the major media heads in fantasy football is always play your studs. You got to start your studs. The guys that got you there, you got to ride them out. You got to ride a Saquon Barkley, a Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen. You have to play them because they're always so good no matter what. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm going to let you know that, unfortunately, it didn't go as planned with a lot of those guys. You mentioned Tyreek Hill earlier in the show. Dropped out. A.B. was A.B., but that was disappointing, clearly, obviously, right? A lot of other players as well. Just in the finals, let's talk about the playoffs overall. Week 15, 16, and 17 this year's fantasy playoffs. Again, don't be afraid to sit your studs. So some studs at the quarterback position, Tom Brady, was dominating all season long, top five most of the season. Over those three weeks, lost Godwin, obviously lost Evans, lost AB, didn't have Leonard Fournette. QB 13, Stafford, dominating all season long. QB 15, Tua was on a roll, but didn't do much in the playoffs. QB 21, and Kirk Cousins, who's maybe, you know, back in QB 1, nonetheless, a great person to ride and had those boom games. Sits out, obviously, due to COVID in the final. QB 26, those are guys you probably were starting most weeks. Here's some other guys you probably didn't start more often than not in the playoffs that did well. Joe Burrow, you just mentioned absolutely nuclear through the playoffs. QB won over those three games, 28 and a half fantasy points per game, three more than Josh Allen at QB2. Zach Wilson, who everyone wrote off about a month and a half ago, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones both tied for QB10. Tyler Huntley, the backup for Lamar Jackson, QB12 only played two games. He was QB4 in the games that he played. And then Davis Mills, who Ryan Leaf was the only person I heard repping Davis Mills preseason. So shouts out to my boy, Ryan Leaf. QB 14. So again, not necessarily winning you leagues, but absolutely booing you and all of those guys better than Brady Stafford, Tua, and Cousins. On the running back side, Devin Singletary, who nobody's been excited about in fantasy football yet. Number one running back overall. Uh, uh, I always say Elijah Penny, I'm sorry. Rashad Penny. Uh, running back number two, and then Najee, of course, was number three, number two, depending on her settings. He's a stud. You started him. But Singletary and Penny, 
came out of nowhere. And really, Bob and you, Dweez, were the only people talking about Rashad Penny before he blew up, and nobody saw Singletary coming. Some running backs that you usually start that bombed, unfortunately, Zeke Elliott, RB20 in the playoffs. Kamara, RB23. Gibson, RB24. Fourth in the NFL in carries, and he was RB24. Javante Williams, my boy, RB32. Saquon Barkley, RB35. Dalvin Cook, you ready for this one? Running back 59 in the playoffs. Single-handedly lost people championships. Oh, my God, 13 yards rushing in the final. And the wide receivers here, wide receivers, your boy, Amon Ross St. Brown, number one wide receiver. Shouts out to you for repping him two months ago. Bobby's boy, Tyler Boyd, it took 14 weeks, but Tyler Boyd eventually (laughs) showed up for Bob. Wide receiver eight, Braxton Berrios, very impressive. Wide receiver nine, Zay Jones, kind of resurrected there in Las Vegas, wide receiver 16. Studs that bombed, Tyreek, wide receiver 12. Wide receiver 12 is not terrible, but for him, top three, it's no good. Jefferson, 13. Of course, we know what happens with Cousin there. Keenan Allen, wide receiver 19. CeeDee Lamb, 37. Terry McLaurin, 43, fell off a cliff. And Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 66 in the fantasy playoffs. Dweez, I have to be more careful next year to sit studs. A couple of these guys I did sit. I was good about sitting uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, I did not draft uh, Zeke or Saquon, so I avoided that one. Um, and I was able to get away from some of these others. But I couldn't imagine sitting you know, a Camara, a Tyreek, a Jefferson, a Stafford, somebody like that. And unfortunately, you still get caught sometimes. So next year, don't be afraid to sit your studs as much as the industry tells you to start your studs. What's number three? I mean- Oh, go well, before we, before we move there, like the big one that you didn't even mention here because it kind of happened before the playoffs, but most of the middle of the season, the big chunk of the fantasy season, talk about Patrick Mahomes who totally disappeared. Okay. I got a buddy in my home league who swore every week was going to be the week, and he never sat him, and he didn't make the playoffs as a result, even though the rest of his team was fully stacked. So um, you're not wrong. You have to do it, man. At some point, if these guys are falling off or if the situation's not right, they need to prove it to you. Um, and there's plenty of other guys, some that you mentioned in there, that are absolutely uh, worth a look in the right spot. All right, number three here for us. Um, we're going to go to back to pass catchers here. I talked about them in my first bit. But here's the second one. You know, you think back to a few years ago. You know, I've been playing fantasy football for a long time. And uh, you think back to a few years ago, there was a hard and fast rule in fantasy football. And that was that uh, when a new receiver came into the league, It took three years for them to ramp up. Year three was the breakout year that we expected for most ride receivers. Now, over the last couple of years, this has kind of slowly been going away, I think. But for me, it's completely gone now, right? Like, it's it's taken a while to erase this rule from my brain because I've played under this rule for so long. But it's gone. Seven of the top 24 receivers on the season up to this point anyway, we're either first or second year guys. You got you got just Jeff out there in uh, in Minnesota, Chase, Waddle, Lamb, Higgins, Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown with his late season stretch. All these guys top 24, that's seven, that's a third of the damn receivers are either first or second year guys. We can forget about the three-year ramp up for wide receivers. It's a, If it's a good receiver, that goes to a good situation and gets an opportunity to get onto the field, you should not have any any issues putting them on your roster in your starting lineup day one um, and moving forward. We don't need to uh, we don't need to halt expectations for these young guys anymore. I think that's a great call. And, and one in particular, I remember Mike Williams was a big one where it was like we're waiting for wide receiver three. We, we waited for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, Devonte Parker was another one that just didn't show up. Corey Davis was another one. Now, eventually they all kind of had their time 
after that and before that, but that three-year window. And then it was like, well, what about A.J. Brown? Like one more year until A.J. Brown, one more year until D.K. Metcalf, and then their one sophomore seasons, it blew up. So I, I agree with that one. Okay, let's get into my second one here, number four. Play each week uniquely, use influence from the previous week's rest of the season, but each week is a new one. So, again, I, I kind of touched on this in my, in my previous one, which is be, feel free to sit your studs as well as start there. It, this may seem cliche or kind of like duh, but you really got to think about this. Week 15 happens in fantasy playoffs, right? You play the week, things happen, like you you beat your opponent, you move on. Okay, well, the next week, say your stud wide receiver or Patrick Mahomes or a running back or somebody else plays a horrendous matchup. Uh, an indoor team goes outdoors, right? A Derek Carr, a Matt Stafford, somebody goes across the country to the East Coast and it's just terrible weather outside you don't like those kind of matchups, right? A bad defense all season long, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who unfortunately somehow were terrible this year, they show up for a must-win divisional game, hyped for Big Ben at home. They dismantle a good Browns team, right? Those kind of things you really need to kind of think deeper on and try to fade. Dweez, your Bears single-handedly beat me in a championship and won people leagues because they were playing a Giants team that had no business even being on the field. They had no weapons. They had their third, four-string quarterback, and they had like seven turnovers, eight sacks or something in that game. And for a DST, put up 20-plus fantasy points. If you can kind of foresee those things happening and at least play it on the matchup side, that could be a huge leg up. So play uniquely, obviously, but it's it's not just set and forget it. During the regular season, you kind of set it and forget most of your roster. You lose one, you bounce back. A guy has a bad week, you just chalk it up to a bad week and you move on. Once you hit week 12, 13, trying to make the playoffs, 14, then 15 and into the playoffs, you really need to play each position uniquely, play each position with the matchups and try to do your best. You're not going to make every right call, but you need to put as much um, uh, you know, research into that and try to make the best possible decisions on that. And the nice thing is, in most leagues, there's, you know, half of the league is doing this whole set it and forget it. They'll draft the guys um, at the top and then just leave them in there. So if you're playing every week and paying attention to what's actually going on in the world, like that's a big advantage that you have. And it's not that hard to do. Um, All right. What are we at? Number four, five, six. I, I don't know. All right, number five, let's go. Well, I'm going all the way back to the draft on this one, and this is a piece of advice that I give myself every offseason, and then I forget it every draft season. Like, I just forget it completely uh, that it was so important to me. But it's simple. It's draft your guys. Like, you know, we do a ton of ADP research, or I do. I'm sure you do as well, leading up to the draft. Most people do a lot of ADP research. They let ADPs and um, early rankings and these these things that you can find on Fantasy Pros sort of guide their draft process. Uh, and they lose, they lose like what makes them unique fans of football and fantasy football. And that is that there are guys in the league that you just like, guys that you think for whatever reason are going to have good seasons. You like to watch them play. They're your guys. Um, I've always got a list of my guys, and, and half the time I completely forget them because the ADP wasn't right when it was time to draft them. My bit of advice here for myself more than anybody is just to draft your guys. couple of examples from this past season. This is all from my home league, okay? In my home league last season, I had the 4, 104, and I agonized over the 104 because I wanted Austin Eckler on my team so badly but the ADP wasn't there. He was an end-of-first-round guy. 
So I didn't take them. I sat and thought about it. I went from person to person in my neighborhood, um, and I asked them to talk me out of drafting Austin Eckler at the 104. <laughs> uh, and they and I let them do it. I let the ADPs do it. And Austin Eckler finishes the running back two on the season. Uh, eventually, I traded for him, right? So I got him. It cost me more to trade for him, whatever. Uh, a couple of times later in the draft, when I decided to just take my guy, Deontay Johnson was my guy. I thought he was a good fit on my roster. I took him the fourth round. He was a seventh round. Or he was, yeah, he was a seventh round ADP. I said, fuck the ADP. I'm taking this guy because I want him on my team. Worked out nicely for him. Another guy that I really liked was Debo Samuel coming off of his injury. He had a 10th round ADP. I took him in the seventh round. People talked so much shit to me in that draft, uh, but I won my home league. And it was in large part because I took the guys that I wanted. Um, Bottom line for me is this. I would rather lose with the guys I like on my team then lose with the guys that I quote should have had on my team totally at my agree. draft position. And I would rather lose badly um, with my guys than watch them help somebody else beat me. Right. That's even worse. If somebody else got my guys and they win, I can't sleep at night. So mm. take your guys, man. In my main home league, we have a keeper and uh, I had Jonathan Taylor in the third round last year. I had Calvin Ridley in the fourth. And I kept, now it was a preseason, of course. I kept Calvin Ridley, uh, who I had as like maybe a number one option at wide receiver before everything went down. Let Jonathan Taylor go back into the pool. At the time, Quentin Nelson was hurt. Carson Wentz was hurt. New quarterback, whatever. And uh, that obviously burned me. And eventually I played the guy who drafted Jonathan Taylor in the final. And guess what? (laughs) Came up short. Number six, kind of piggybacking on yours, Dweez. No draft strategy is foolproof, right? Lucas, our, our you know uh, former co-host here on the podcast, very pro zero RB. There's marriage for that heavy running back drafting, marriage for that late QB, early QB, tight end, etc. Whatever. Everything has pros and cons, right? Ten of the top eighteen quarterbacks that were drafted in the tenth round or later, according to ADP. So ten of the top eighteen quarterbacks were drafted after the tenth round. So it's late round quarterback. Seven of the top twelve running backs finished in the top 10. So the only two that notable that didn't are Saquon, who was a train wreck, obviously, and Chris McCaffrey, who got hurt, right? He was still fifth in points per game, but only played pieces of seven. Saquon played 13 games, though, but was wide receiver, or running back 33 in PPR points per game. Half of the top 24 wide receivers were drafted in the sixth round or later, Debo Samuel being one of them. And then stud tight end seems to be the only tried and true, although the late round Tight end seems to work as well if you have a stack roster elsewhere. So it's kind of a pain in the ass to deal with that weekly, unless you find a Pat Fryermuth or you know a Tyler Higby late. Um, but you kind of got to hope for a stud to stick with it. But unless those guys get hurt at the top, even George Kittle, who started slow, end up picking it up eventually. So that's the only one that I kind of like. Everything else, though, man, it's really about drafting your guys and following the draft board best you can. Yeah, and there's there's an element of like build the team for what you need, right? Like you need to think about that roster construction a little bit there. But there's so much that goes into it. You can't. Yeah, I love that. I love that one because you know, like I remember Lucas last season was just he was he was zero RB, zero RB, zero RB, and I kept telling him like just do what works in the moment. Like why do you have to go in so dead set, right? Like you know, no plan should survive contact with the enemy. Forget that it doesn't. It shouldn't, right? We have to adjust on the fly. So I love that one. Um, I, I love uh, two draft two draft advice in a row. Maybe a little early in the offseason for draft advice, guys. So um, let's let's look uh, a little 
somewhere else for this next one here. I'm going to talk about the running back bait and switch that happened to a lot of us this past season and is likely to happen again. Uh, I'm talking about the NFL draft season, okay? Like last offseason, when it came time for the NFL draft, everybody was really shocked when the Dolphins, the Cardinals, and the Falcons specifically did not take a high running back, right? Everybody thought, hey, you know, Mike Davis isn't really the guy. Miles Gaskin isn't really the guy. They're going to take somebody. And and then those teams came out. They did not draft a running back early to be the replacement. And then everybody in the fantasy community quickly shifted gears and says, okay, it is Mike Davis. Mike Davis is the guy. Let's go draft him as ADP Rose. People started drafting him. Miles Gaskin is the guy. Chase Edmonds is going to have all the work in Arizona. Um, but then we see late off-season additions, in-season additions. Cordero Patterson comes out of nowhere and wins the job because Mike Davis wasn't actually the guy. James Conner comes in here and takes every touchdown away from Chase Edmonds because Chase Edmonds is not a short yardage goal line kind of back. Um, and then Duke Johnson out of nowhere comes over and takes over the starting job from Miles Gaskin. Like, if you don't think going into the dra- NFL draft season, a running back is good enough to handle the load for a team, maybe hold on to that feeling through the offseason at least. Hold on to that feeling and use that judgment. You, you, you came to that conclusion for a reason. Don't forget it just because this team didn't go out and draft somebody to take the load. Anything can happen, um, and talent, talent falls where talent needs to be in most cases. That's or a great lack one. thereof. That's a great one, and a lot of people were expecting Ronald Jones to finally get his shot. They bring in free agent, washed up, quote-unquote, not as good Leonard Fournette. Well, guess what? Yeah. The Jags were terrible. The Bucks are very good. Leonard Fournette was just fine for yeah. you there. Um, and another one, of course, the 49ers, just next man up mentality, right? And uh, you have other opportunities like that. The only guy in that dead zone of running backs that I completely faded um, that I regret wholeheartedly is DeAndre Swift. Um, sure. But – that being said, he was hurt coming in, uh, and he's on the Lions, and they have a new head coach and a new quarterback, and he ended up playing half the season anyway. Yeah. But when he played, he was an absolute stud. So I'm going to be watching that a little bit closer next year as well. Okay, that was don't fall for the running back bait and switch there. All right, my next one here, and number eight, coaching tendencies are very important. Follow the new coaching hire moves. And then just a side note here, another precursor for, what, probably June, July, Dweez, we're looking at Dweez and Bob have the coaching changes episode this summer. It's usually two or three part series. Again, there are like pockets of podcasts that we do on this show that I personally like get the most value from, whether I'm a part of them or not. These episodes over the last couple of years have, have been night and day for me. Getting the idea that like Anthony Lynn is going from the Chargers to the Lions. I know the Lions are the Lions, but DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, the six other guys that nobody had heard of before those guys got hurt. Anthony Lynn has a certain type of offense that he runs and the lions are going to run that. And that's, what's good for the running backs. Guess what? I got punched in the face from Deandre Swift because Anthony Lynn runs a certain offense. That was one in particular that helped me a lot. They were basically like young Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, right? With the chargers Mm -hmm. all over again, Kyle Shanahan consistently creating number one running backs with six different running backs, two years in a row. And Oh, by the way, their number one wide receiver, was arguably their like second or third best running back at any given week as well. And look, Urban Meyer was a disaster. We know that. But also, it's rare for a college coach to come into the NFL and make an immediate impact. Chip Kelly did it for one year. Everyone figured him out. Gone, right? 
Keep an eye on the moves from the NCAA up to the NFL in 2022. Again, I know it's early for that kind of conversation, but plant that seed now. Dewey's and Bob will have all of the coaching changes when they happen this spring and this summer after the NFL draft and break it all down for you. But the coaching tendencies and changes in the offenses and even defenses for flow of the game, massive, massively underrated in fantasy football. And it helped me tremendously this year listening to your guys' couple of episodes this summer. All right, man, we got two more left. What do you got for us? Yeah, first of all, I love that you said that those help you. It's always good to know that they help, but I I completely agree. Coaching changes is the most important thing that I do in an offseason personally. um, Hope the listeners of TCK get something out of those. Pay attention to those. I did say in that episode that I was afraid Urban Meyer would flame out like in a historic fashion, and guess what he did? Um, We spent a ton We spend a ton of time researching those down to the most granular level we can um, to make sure we're giving you the best possible advice we can give you. And while player stats don't always stick, player statistical categories don't always stick, coaching tendencies is the stickiest thing there is in the NFL. So please tune in when we do those. You know, Sky, you'll get the schedule out to them once we figure out exactly when that's coming. But gosh, those are important. And and one more one more thing on that. Another reason I enjoy those so much. First of all, the information is superb. You guys really crush those episodes. On top of that, though, a not a lot of podcasts, even on the biggest levels, do a lot of. I mean, they mention like m- main names. They mention, yeah. but they don't mention like the new quarterbacks coach who used to be the assistant tight end coach and shit like that. Dweez and Bob are na- naming everybody that moves around, no matter how significant, and gives you the background that we have from them back to like college and you know whatever we can dig up. On top of that, I promise you, the the regular person in your in your fantasy league is not a giving a shit about any of that and b not yeah. looking for the information. So again, if you can find some of that information on top of things. You know, I think you would have a great um, advantage in your league. So keep an eye out for that. All right, Dweez, what's your last thing that you learned in 2021? So I play a lot of Dynasty Leagues. Um, and, you know, coming out of the NFL draft into Dynasty rookie drafts, like young quarterbacks, right? It's all about the young quarterbacks, the new quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence was everybody's absolute favorite piece of uh, fantasy gold coming into the rookie draft season. Um, but my, my piece of advice here, which is not just for Dynasty players, but, you know, everybody, everybody can get this, is that we need to really pump the brakes on rookie quarterbacks with bad teams. Like, we need to pump the brakes on expecting rookie quarterbacks to be able to carry bad NFL teams, right? I mean, you look at the you look at the roster this past year. We got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Um, Justin Fields, unfortunately, in Chicago for the games he played. Now, Davis Mills was fine in Houston, but yeah, I would certainly wouldn't say he carried that team to great success. Um, or even Zach Wilson, who had some really good games, struggled this season. And the big piece here to remember is that all the, well, most of the pieces on all of those teams also struggled because it's a bad team. And we cannot expect these young quarterbacks to carry them and do it all uh, for and to make up for the lack of talent around them. James Robinson, um, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones on Jacksonville all struggled this season. Allen Robinson struggled badly this season. Darnell Mooney, who had good games sometimes, was really hard to trust on any given week. Brandon Cooks, who, you know, had, again, great games, exactly split the season down the middle. Half of his games were really good and half were complete busts. And that part in part comes down to 
young quarterback play. Corey Davis, even Elijah Moore for most of the season struggled. Jamison Crowder, who was great last season. All of these weapons struggle because it's a bad team. And a young rookie quarterback on a bad team, you can't expect them um, to make up for the deficiencies around them. Flip side, you look at Mac Jones, right? A lot of people had questions about Mac Jones coming into the NFL. He goes to the best team out of this whole group, and he's successful. And the weapons around him were usable and successful for your fantasy roster. So it's not just about young quarterback talent coming in, because there's no doubt that Trevor Lawrence is was absolutely one of the most talented quarterbacks coming into the league in a handful of years. But yeah, you can't expect him to be able to carry that whole team when the offensive line is trash, the defense is trash, the coaching staff is trash. So we need good teams for young quarterbacks to be able to succeed immediately, like your boy Justin Herbert out here in L.A. He stepped into a good team, and he was fantastic out of the gates. Yep, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals were able to turn around even in his rookie season, played half a year, blew his leg out. There was, you know, suspect coming in this year, and obviously he's been – Absolutely phenomenal. And I'll, I'll throw a shout out here. Of course, I'm biased to my Niners, but the jury's still out on Trey Lance. Um, you can go back and forth whether like after a year, like was he worth the number three pick? Should they have gone Mac Jones? Yada, yada. Nonetheless, he's only played two games and a piece of another one. He just brings a totally different game package and ability than Jimmy Garoppolo does. We'll see what happens next year when we get a full slate of Trey Lance. Okay, man, my final one here. We'll take a quick break and then we'll get into 10 players we're looking forward to for 2022 my last one here kind of alluded to it earlier try a fresh format every season but definitely next next year i played a guillotine league this year for the first time uh ever and they're kind of new popping up i think they're going to be a lot more popular moving forward i'll mention that in a second ultra flex i kind of i didn't necessarily create this idea but didn't see a lot of people talking about it i've thought about this for years i finally went for it a lot of fun and then scratch and DST, scratch and kicker completely. Yes. In Dynasty, that's pretty common. But in redraft leagues, now we have an extra flex spot. You have an extra quarterback. You play an extra running back, whatever. Dropping tight end out, but leaving like one of the flex positions to allow a tight end. So you can play a Kelsey, a Waller, a Kittle, an Andrews, but you don't have to play CJ Ozama just to stay afloat there. So that's interesting there. Playing with bonuses, enhanced scoring, divisional drafting only. Like I picked the AFC West as my... As my teams I can draft from, Dewey's picks the NFC West. He can only pick teams on the NFC West. I only nice. pick teams on the AFC West. Now, I can pick any of those guys, but that's my only division all year long I can work with, and including waivers and stuff. Just fun stuff like that. Try one league that's kind of you know, out of the box. Guillotine specifically, a lot of fun. I heard about it last summer. Skipped on it because I just had too much going on. This year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. If you're not familiar, guillotine is a lot of fun. Basically, it's about a 16-team league because every single week, the lowest-scoring team in your league is eliminated. They're completely kicked out of the league for the rest of the year. All of their players on their active roster and well, on their bench as well, their roster in general, all of those players go back into the player pool and are added to the waivers. So now you're talking week 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, Dweez. This is my, this is my roster I was looking at because I was in the championship. I ended up winning the league. But in the finals, this is who I'm looking to pick up off waivers. Should I pick up Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams? Should I pick up Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson? Should I pick up, you know, Kyler Murray or Josh Allen a couple weeks before that? And it seems like, duh, anybody you want. But again, it's so competitive. All the teams are so good. You really have to be careful on who you're actually picking up for that particular week. The only thing you're trying to do in guillotine is not be last that particular week. 
That's it. There's none of these like off games. You have an off game with a great roster, you're gone, right? CMC went down, that person lost, they're out for the entire rest of the season. So guillotine was so much fun. Ultra flex, exactly what it sounds like. We had a super flex league, and then we had all flex positions. So we had nice. one uh, one mandatory quarterback, and then we had a super flex position, and then we had six or seven flex positions. So you don't have to play any running backs. You don't have to play any wide receivers, tight ends. Play whoever you want. But an ultra flex league was a lot of fun because you can play any strategy you would like to there. So those are some of the most fun I would uh, have there. Dweez, you have a cool format, uh, two in the pink. I like that a lot. Uh, those are a lot of fun. I don't know if you're still doing that, but um, different formats in fantasy football are a lot of fun. Is there one thing there? Yeah maybe that you have tried over the years that you like to, to go back to. Yeah, we, we didn't do uh, we didn't do three in the pink, two in a stink this year. That was a lot of fun. There, were, I have one league that I started with my buddy a few years ago, and our whole goal with this league was to just fill it with rules and settings that we've never done before. So yeah. there, is, there are, are so many Weird wild shit. things in there. <laughs> we started with a basic ultra flex sort of format like you've got. I mean, we start 12 players and 10 of them are flex positions. Um, over the years, we've sort of tweaked it here and there. So scoring rules are all over the place. Um, we tried to find ways to incentivize trades and moves because those are harder to do when you have ultra flex. But we just it's, it's sort of our sandbox where we just play every year and we just try things that we've never done before. Um, and we found a lot of fun things. Uh, to, to your guillotine point, um, if anybody's listening, look, Fantasy Cares does an Eliminator League. It's a it's a, a great charity organization, Fantasy Cares. They do an Eliminator League every year. I think John Bosch is the guy that ran. I did it last year. I didn't do it this this season. I did it last season. John Bosch ran it at that point. If you're interested in trying a guillotine league, they do it. It's really good and for a good cause. Um, go ahead and reach out to John Bosch, see if you can get in on that. Yeah. I think I came in second place in my division. The wrinkle that you added, though, um, in, in this guillotine league, the rosters don't drop to waivers, right? You don't, those players oh, are no, never best. available. What you, what you said here sounds really interesting. And, and, uh, I may have to find a way to, to give that a try this next year. That's so, it ha- cool. so when you do that, it has to be manually done, right? Cause if you yeah. just set it up in a league, it'll just drop the computer or drop them out. You have to manually have it in. So you eliminate the person who's been out, drop all their players, but Dewey's just like, think about how rosters would be by week eight, nine, ten. <sighs> When you Stupid only have good. studs left, there's no streaming it's like anybody. It's like, like you're playing in a four-person league at one point. Like, good exactly. lord, you're only playing top twelve guys against each other. It's it's pretty phenomenal. So that is. Do you amazing. have Fab in? Do you have Fab in that league, or is it just waiver priority nope. stuff? Yeah, you have Fab, but the whole God, the is, decisions every week about how much to spend would drive well, me or to crazy. Spend yeah, or to spend it all because if you spend a lot of money early. Uh, because they have a big injury early and you want to no. stay alive, you got to spend it to stay alive because anything can happen. But if you have money late, I mean, dude, in the finals, we had three of us, Get right? Anybody. In the in the final yeah. league, uh, one guy had three dollars, I had zero, and the other guy had zero. That's the fab we were playing with. And he nice. put a one dollar bid on three players and was able to get them. Thankfully, those players didn't have a great week. I ended up taking it over and got the W, but. Pretty, you know, pretty so here's a here's a wrinkle that I think would be interesting. Let's say you start with a hundred dollars fab, and we're getting off topic here, but let's say you start with a hundred dollars fab. Maybe every week everybody gets five more. It doesn't matter what mm. you spent, but every every week you get a little bit more. So like, there's a lot more opportunity to spend. I don't know. It, I like to just play in the sandbox like this. So like, this this is really fun for me. I love this idea. I love trying new formats. Like people are afraid to step out of what they're comfortable with, yep. but. 
it you never know. Maybe you'll find your new favorite style of play if you. Do or it. you could you could do like ten dollars to like that highest scorer that week. Yeah. Oh and then like yeah. Nine to the next eight to the next. Oh, week. incentivize performance. Yeah, so, so if you have if you have one if you have one blow up week where you score a bunch and your team's struggling, but you have that one pop week, you might get fifteen bucks fab back, which is massive. Uh, that time of year and then you know whatever i don't know those are those are fun set things. it up set up the league let's go let's do I it i love it i love it all right dweez let's take a quick break here man we're gonna get out of here in just a few minutes but first let's give a shout out to our friends at care factor dweez and i'll be right back with 10 players we're excited about in 2022 hey tck potters and fantasy focus community are you looking for options for hair loss there are many options out there for treating it however most products treat the cause such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with CaraFactor. CaraFactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger-looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerefactor.com. Carefactor, skincare for hair. Only a matter of time before I pull the trigger on that care factor. Every time I hear it, I think about my poor, poor bald head. I love it, man. Look, man. Hey, there's a lot of people after a season like this in fantasy football that are a little stressed out as well. So, yeah, it's been tough. All right, Dweez, let's shift gears here a little bit, man, and jump into some players that we're excited about for 2022. Obviously, I know it's early. We're going to go into all this stuff in depth all summer long. But this is kind of just like quick knee-jerk reaction. Like, oh, man, like – that guy was almost there to the breaking point. I just want more of it. Let's blast through these guys. I'll let you kick it off here. Who was the first guy you're looking forward to in 2022? Yeah. You want to go one at a time or just all of them? Let's do one at a time here. I think we can blast them out back and back. I'm going to actually do two at a time to start here, just because I like to be a little difficult. Um, And this, it seems like the two obvious players that most people would answer in this spot. And for whatever reason, these guys are forever linked in my mind. It's I'm on Ross St. Brown and Elijah Moore, the two, uh, rookie or going to be second year wide receivers over there. I, it, they're not the same. They're not the same size. They're not the same speed. They don't play the same position. They don't run the same routes. For whatever reason, though, these guys are these guys are just the same person in my mind. So, like, either one of them, I'm going to be on the. I'll take either one of these guys, whichever one is drafted. If I were drafted today, I'd take the one that was drafted second uh, from my roster because they both look so good. They did, and I think that uh, I don't want to say that they're QB proof necessarily, but they didn't play with great quarterbacks or great offenses or great scoring opportunity. And Elijah Moore had a really tough time staying healthy, and then COVID yeah. shit. But Amon Ross St. Brown finally hit with the Lions, who had nobody. TJ Hawkinson goes down; he finally becomes the number one, and he won people championships down the stretch there. So I, I think that's a great call as well. I'll jump into mine here, number two guy, my first one here, Javante Williams, and I was really into him coming into the season. I knew it was going to be a a year, though, because of Melvin Gordon, obviously. 
look, Melvin Gordon could be gone from the Denver Broncos. They obviously could bring him back. Even if he stays, I think Williams could and should be that number one, though. Like, flip the script. Last year, they were about 50-50. I think it might be more 60-40. Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon. Much more efficient than Melvin Gordon on a per-touch basis. Better in the receiving game. Better on the goal line. Now, Gordon's numbers are much better than Javante overall because he had more opportunity. But when you're looking at a per-touch basis, per-game basis, Javante usually edged him out in efficiency. Better quarterback play no matter what next year for the Broncos. Could be Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, who knows. But a better quarterback next year in Denver most likely. More overall opportunity to score that will help the running backs there. So I like that a lot. So I'm really focused on Javante Williams. And in keeper leagues, when I drafted him in the 8th, ninth, 10th round, I'm looking forward to keeping him in those rounds because I think he's going to be probably a second rounder next season, depending on what happens there. So I think that's great value. Yeah. And if he can get the touchdowns, right, it's about the touchdowns for him. That's why Melvin Gordon really stepped up and, and outperformed a bit to touchdowns. So um, love to see it when he got his chance. It was great. How about another running back, Devin Singletary? Um, now to be fair, there is some hesitation. You have to hesitate a little bit with Devin Singletary because there's the Buffalo bills, but in the last few weeks, they seem to have dedicated the, them to to him like they decided to give him that backfield and see what he can do and guess what over the last three weeks he's the running back one overall running back one okay he averaged 21 touches per game in those three games that's versus his 11 touches per game rest of season we can see why he was finally able to perform the question has to be is are they going to keep doing it like are they going to keep giving the ball to him that's just not who this team has been but if they've turned over a leaf here we're good. Um, one of the things I, I I was preaching about Devin Singletary coming into the league is the kid can score. Um, the kid can score from the one. He can score from the ten. He can score from anywhere, but he's impossible to tackle in a phone booth. He's the sneakiest slip through a hole guy um, there was coming into the league at least that season. And you know, on the goal line near the goal line, he hasn't gotten the touches. He did end up with 13 carries from inside the ten this year. That's only 30th among running backs. But listen to this. Eight of those 13 came in the last two games, and he scored on three of them. So three out of eight may not sound good, but the average for running backs in the league this year from inside the 10 is 28%. 28% of inside the 10 carries by running backs score touchdowns. Eight or three out of eight is 38%. Okay. So it's 1.6, 60% better than the rest of the league. The kid can score if they keep giving it to him at this volume and in those spots on the field. He could be. A, a huge he could be a great player next year and and if they keep giving it to him going through the playoffs here and then they go farther in the playoffs because of it it might just happen yeah and i don't think anybody's really doubted his ability but then they draft zach moss out of utah who i think a lot of people are excited about when he got drafted maybe not anymore uh but then you have josh allen who is the best running back on the bills so a bit tough though but you're right if they can get him number one touches i think singletary's going to be great i totally agree there all right, I'm going to stick with Buffalo here and go with Gabriel Davis. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley most likely gone from Buffalo next season, if not both, one of them. And Isaiah McKenzie shown some flashes when, when everybody was out due to COVID a couple weeks ago. He was all right, but he's, I think, the clear distant number three or four if those other guys leave. Davis should be the number two behind Stephon Diggs. We know that Josh Allen and the Bills can support two different receivers and – Gabriel Davis, man, even as a rookie, had some shots. This year, he had five touchdowns in six games. He is a red zone weapon. He's a deep weapon. Stephon Diggs, as long as he's in Buffalo, is going to get that double coverage. 
And Josh Allen, we see year after year after year now, Dweez, he is, you know, improving immensely every single year. Um, my only concern with the Bills overall is does Brian Dable stay? Because he's probably going to be offered a head coach job multiple places. He almost left last year, didn't. If he leaves, who do they bring in and how does that offense look and everything else? But if they keep it as is with Buffalo this year and they make a nice run and keep it in-house, I really like Gabriel Davis and Devin Singletary, but the Buffalo Bills to, to run it back again next year. Who's your number three guy? My concern about the Gabriel Davis is he did this last year as well at the end of the season. Mm. He scored a lot of touchdowns in a bunch of games in a row, and then they brought in other pieces um, and and gave other guys the time on the field. I was I was pumping his name all off season because I thought it was going to be time to take off. You know what? Maybe let's go back to my earlier comment and just kind of erase that three-year thing. Maybe it really is just a three-year ramp up for a guy like Gabriel Davis who does finally get get his uh next season that would be that would be awesome i've been waiting for it i think he's really fun to watch he's one of those guys that i would just love to have on my team my number three uh might be a bit of a homer pick here maybe it's cole Komet. i like him as a bear next season but i also think he's going to be a really good cheap tight end right if you're going to go tight end late i think he's going to act he's going to perform for us tight end seven in targets for this season tight end six in target share for this season we only had four targets inside the ten. Uh, it was the concern about him coming in. Jimmy Graham was going to come and take these touchdown opportunities away. Uh, he ended as a 20 sec, 22nd tight end in uh, in the category um, targets inside the 10-yard line. So it, it happened exactly as we thought it would. He finished, though, as a tight end 21 on the season. That's with exactly zero touchdowns. Still the tight end 21 on the season, largely on the back of his opportunity um, share. The thing that I want to point out here, though, is that he's the only tight end signed to this team next season at right at, at this point. Okay. Um, Jesse James, Jimmy Graham, JP Holtz are the only other tight ends on the team. They're all set to be free agents next year. We can take it a step further. Darnell Mooney's the only other pass catcher on this team. That's not set to be a free agent this year. Um, Jakeem Grant, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird going on here with Cole Komet. I like him for next year. If he could score once or twice. Do you think Allen Robinson leaves? I don't think he'll – yes, absolutely. absolutely. I think if they try to keep him again, he retires. Yeah, I agree. Damn. How sad, man. That's another guy. I just, I just want to be alpha dog, and we've been so close. I think he'll get okay. one more chance somewhere next season. One more chance. I agree. All right, let's move on here. Najee Harris, Pittsburgh Steelers, better quarterback next year. Shouts out to Big Ben, great career, sayonara. Better quarterback next year. We'll see what happens. I have a hunch it could be Rodgers or Wilson. We'll see what happens there. Improved offensive line uh, in general. The Steelers have been known for a great running game, and offensive line this year was not that. We knew it coming in. Najee Harris was still dominant at times with all the workload. We know that Mike Tomlin wants a number one running back. A stud guy, they have that. Juju will be back next year, most likely. That, I think, will help. Maybe take some of the pass catching away from Najee Harris, but – It'll help kind of draw back those linebackers over the middle, which will help open up the box. And a healthier defense means they shouldn't be playing from behind as often, being able to run up the ball a little bit. So Najee Harris is another guy I loved coming in, and I'm excited about moving into next season. Dweez, who's your next guy? Uh, another running back here. I'm going to go Michael Carter of those New York Jets. Um, to me, right now, he's a 3-4 turn grade. That's where I'm going to be targeting him. That's where I want him to go. And I think he'll probably – 
I think that ADP will be lower than that. So I think I'll be able to get him there, but he should return that value. The eye test says this kid can do it all in the field. The O-line is already getting better over the course of this season. I think they'll continue to improve that line next year. Elijah Moore's coming on. Zach Wilson's getting better. Tevin Coleman going to be gone from this team, set to be a free agent. Can't see them signing him back next season. So that's a little bit of, a little bit of competition out of the way. I think Michael Carter is really good. I think the team halfway through the year decided that he was really good and they'd give him the work. Issues staying healthy, but uh, he can't project that next year. I think Carter's going to be a steal of uh, a lot of drafts. Don't forget Michael Lohr, the offensive coordinator for the Jets, formerly with Kyle Shanahan in the San Francisco 49ers. They want to run and run often. They just weren't able to with the Jets this year. We'll see if it happens next year. Speaking of the Niners, Alluded to him earlier, Trey Lance, my guy with the 49ers, a full season of starter reps and preparation, rushing upside, which we've already seen in this couple of games, an incredible play calling and scheming offense with Kyle Shanahan. If the weapons are healthy, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, a run game of some kind, a mix of six guys, I think he could be the, uh, next year's Jalen Hurts of this year, a top three fantasy quarterback. I really do believe that. Uh, Kyle Shanahan sold the farm, passed on Mac Jones, passed on Justin Fields, and they went and got uh, Trey Lance at number three. They had the pick of the litter, basically, and they went with Trey Lance. Shanahan has his guy. We'll see if it happens next year with Jimmy G gone out of San Francisco. And your final name here, Dweez. Yeah, I, I, I drafted Trey Lance a very good last year. I'm super excited for him to get going. My last guy, look, I got the shirt on for a reason, and uh, it's up, not baby, again. Bolt up. Not a surprise name here. It's Austin Eckler. He was my guy going into last year's draft. I didn't take him. I'm taking him this year. Um, I can't see him going later than a running back three. But if there's any way the fantasy gods can can provide for us, like if there's – I'm going to give you seven running back names that there's a chance that they go ahead of Eckler by the time next draft season comes by. If five of them go before him, then I'm golden, and I think it's going to be an insane value. Um, Jonathan Taylor should go before him. Derrick Henry should go before him. But if, you know, Kamara, Najee, Mixon, Chubb, Cook, any of these guys, um, a few of these guys can go before Eckler. Like, if yeah, McCaffrey, I don't know if anybody's drafting him anymore. But um, mm. if there's any way, so so like in my home league, I won the won a championship. If Eckler can get to me at the turn, there's no way it's going to happen. But if it does, oh, the, sky, the clouds will open and it'll be a beautiful, beautiful moment. Oh, please. You mentioned Derrick Henry. We haven't talked about Derrick Henry in a couple months because he's been out. Reactivated by the Tennessee Titans today off the IR. Now, they have the number one seed right now. They need to win to keep that, but they've been winning. I don't know that he plays this week because if they win without him and they get that bye next week, that's massive, obviously. But Derrick Henry coming into the playoffs, no matter what, this time of year, we know what that means for them. Titans on a roll without him. They could be looking dangerous. Finally, Kyle Pitts. Year two for the Atlanta Falcons, 1,000 receiving yards. First tight end to do that since your boy, Mike Ditka. Better sense of the NFL speed and coverages for both pass blocking and running routes. Some sort of run game in the mix. You mentioned Mike Davis. He flamed out. Patterson was a beast for a long time. He flamed out. See if they can get somebody back in there to draw some of that look away from Kyle Pitts. Calvin Ridley, nobody knows what's up with him. I wish him the best of whatever's going on. If he comes back, he should be that number one still. That'll take focus off of Kyle Pitts. And then Matt Ryan, trust him now, and he's a good go-to option, and he has loved his tight ends over the years. So I like Kyle Pitts, obviously looking forward to him next year 
as well. Dweez, any alternate options, anything else you want to mention for kind of a 2021 recap, something that you learned or you're looking forward to for 2022? And obviously, you have months more content of all this stuff. Oh, I got you on mute. Unmuted. I got one bonus player that um, I just want to mention here because he, I, I think he's going to be forgotten about, right? Like there were rookie running backs that got hurt, second year running backs that got hurt. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins being the two big ones that people probably stashed if you're in a keeper league or dynasty league. Um, but in that shuffle, I think Travis Etienne has been forgotten and I don't think he should be forgotten. I think you need to remember Travis Etienne. Whole coaching staff turnover coming this year. Hopefully major changes in the offensive scheme and more specifically on the offensive line. You know, they'll have the 101. Um, hopefully they trade back somebody like Evan Neal in the first round from Alabama to, to help bolster that line and keep going from there. Um, but this team is in desperate need of a playmaker. We saw that when Jamal Agnew comes out of nowhere and starts getting the ball. Um, they handed it off to him. They throw it to him. And the reason they did that is because he was a playmaker. He was making plays with the ball. Nobody else was doing that on this team. That's what Travis Etienne is. He is a stud playmaker who, when you have the ball in his hands, he's a Debo Samuel, right? He's, 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 he's among this new class of guys that just can do things with the ball that others can't. Um, not to mention, let's, let's remember that entire off or that front office in Jacksonville now knows how important it is to have two <laughs> running backs in your system. After we saw James Robinson continually get hurt, we knew he couldn't have 98% of the work two years in a row. Now, hopefully that front office knows as well. Travis Etienne also really good between the tackles. I think if it works out the way that it should work out, Travis Etienne gets a nice share of the regular running back load, but is also used as an X-Factor player on the field. I think he can come out and be an absolute stud next year. A lot of things have to happen between now and then, but just put him on your list and don't forget about this kid and all the talk about Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Kid was an animal at Clemson. My last one, I won't spend any time on this year, but to Watson, we don't know where he's going to be. We don't know if he's going to come back. We don't know if he's guilty or innocent. Don't forget about him. Dynasty Leagues, pick him up for free. Just keep an eye on Deshaun Watson, incredible player, if he is back in the NFL. Dweez, that's a wrap, man. The first of many recaps of the 2021 season. We've got a lot more coming down the pipeline. Everybody tune back for Bob and I coming up with uh, some Week 18 news, but also another recap. Stick with us all offseason. We're going to dial back the episodes. We've been going hard since May, but... We'll be with you next couple of weeks. Dweez, has been an absolute pleasure, man. Of course, you can find Dweez on Twitter at Dweez Nuts. All Zs, no Ss. You can find me at Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O. The Fantasy Focus Network on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, or YouTube. Just a like, follow, and subscribe there. And, of course, you can follow the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast anywhere podcasts are heard. This episode and all episodes are brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online, your online sports betting experts. Dweez, it's always a pleasure, man. So glad you wrapped up a couple of championships. Let's take a breather. Let's come back, and we'll go even harder in 2022. It's always a pleasure, brother. You too, Sky. We'll see you. From my man, Dweez Nuts, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.